Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you guys are enjoying the, uh, the sun and, uh, and the warmth and are ready to, uh, to learn today because we're going to jump back into Luke chapter 15. Last week, we did the first two stories, the parable Jesus told about the lost coin and the lost sheep. Remember the context of how Jesus started those stories? He was talking to some uh, Pharisees and Sadducees who were criticizing um, Jesus hanging out with lost people, with, with broken people. Today, uh, I want to share with you that uh, we all really fundamentally have a choice about our lives. There's a lot of stuff we're not in control of. Um, and if you're young, you may not realize that yet. If you're young, you think that, that you can make a plan and everything's going to turn out just like you, you wanted it to. And I'm not being negative or anything. I'm saying a lot of times things will turn out better than you think. But, but rarely will things ever turn out as you think or as you planned. And so, so we don't have a lot of control um, over external reality. We have an amazing amount of control over internal reality because we can choose. We can, we can make decisions uh, as the gift of God. He gave us a free will. And not only did God give us a free will, God has re-entered this broken world and He's redeemed and He's given us ourselves back. And that's a part of the good news of the gospel is that we can have the lives God intended back. And so today I want to share with you that, that we can live angry in the dark or we can live joyful in the light. And that really is our choice. Because the truth is that if you are wounded, you are angry in some form or fashion. Now, your anger may be explosive, it may be raging, it may be the kind that spills over, it may be the kind that builds up and blows up like a volcano. I see some of y'all looking at the people next to you. The, the more hidden kinds of anger are, are the, uh, the passive-aggressive um, and, and, and the depressive when when you are angry and you turn that anger not out on others but in towards yourself, that is its own kind of, of darkness. And, and we don't have to live in the dark. We can live joyfully in the light and it's our choice. And so it all has to do with, with coming into the Father's heart, coming home into Jesus and finding out that in the scandal of grace that we are well-loved, and, and that when we truly live as well-loved children, what that means is that we love the lost well. And that's, that's just a, a critical part of being a well-loved son or a well-loved daughter in Father's house, is that you love the lost. You love other uh, human beings who are not yet following Christ, not yet at home. And that's what Jesus was basically being criticized for in Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus is being criticized for who he's hanging with because he's hanging with people who they considered outsiders, unacceptable, untouchables. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you don't understand. You, you religious people, 
you don't understand your father's heart. So I'm going to tell you three stories. I'm going to tell you the story of a sheep that's lost and, and what the efforts made to find it. I'm going to tell you the story of a coin that's lost. And then I'm going to tell you of a story of a son that's lost. We call that story the prodigal son. So understand that Jesus is, is speaking to uh, the, the religious leaders, the people of Israel, to reveal the Father's heart and redirect their living. But I want to back up just a little bit. Even beyond Luke chapter 15, verses 1, and this, this scandalous encounter Jesus is having um, for hanging with broken people. We're going to back up to the Old Testament. You know, we have two Testament. A testament is also the word covenant. Um, there's the Old Covenant, which was a covenant uh, that was made through Abraham. And then there's the New Covenant, which was made through Jesus. And these are the two halves of our Bible. And the Old Testament pattern, that is the, the arc of the Old Testament story, is this. That God seeks, that God saves, and that God sends. Now, in the New Covenant, that is exactly the pattern that Jesus follows. He seeks, and He saves, and He sends. In fact, even the twelve that He called to Him, He gave them the name, and we call it the word apostle, but if we were to translate their name, their, their name would be translated this, sent ones. They are the sent. <laughs> and so that's the same pattern, Old Testament and New Testament, and and so, here it is, God choosing, choosing uh, one lost man to become a nation to change the world. This is the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And in verse 3, a key part of the call of the Jewish people in their formation was this, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So, they were called to be a blessing to those who did not know. The scripture goes on to say in Isaiah 42, verse 6, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. And anytime you see Lord in all caps, it's, it's the personal name of God in the Old Testament, Yahweh, or I am. And so you can actually read it, I am. So, so I, the I am, have called you in righteousness. This is what God is saying to Israel. I will take hold of your hand. <laughs> That's that is a, a very personal term. We think of, of God as king, but God has revealed himself most passionately as father. And a king does not take the hand of his servants and subjects, but a daddy does. And it's a cool thing when a, a dad reaches out and takes his daughter's hand or takes his son's hand and, and connects and loves and, and leads. And that's what father does with his people. And he says, I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant people and a light for the Gentiles. Now, are you sensing purpose? They were not saved to sit even then. They were not called uh, to be God's people so they could just be apart from. Israel was called to be God's people, to be God's mission to the world. And I want you to be a light for the Gentiles. I want you to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Do these words echo in, in your mind as you think of the ministry of Jesus? 
Because they're the words that Jesus uh, quoted when he was revealing himself to, to people, when he was coming out as, as no longer merely being the carpenter's son, but the son of God. He said, for it has been given to me to, to do exactly this, to open blind eyes and to free the captives from prison, to, to release from dungeons those who sit in darkness. And so there the Old Testament and New Testament parallels are completely just in sync. <laughs> to seek and to save and to send is the heart of God because God loves lost people. God loves broken people. God loves people who are far from Him and don't yet know Him. And He, he doesn't passively love from a distance, but He goes after until it's a face-to-face -face and heart-to-heart -heart invitation. But here's the other side of the Old Testament pattern. Here's the sad and broken arc of the story that began in Genesis uh, chapter 12 with the call of Abraham and ended in 586, 587 B.C. with the fall of Jerusalem. And in 587 B.C., a foreign power came in and God abandoned his own city and his own people. And God, God declared that, that since you will not follow me and you will not love me and you, you have um, so many idols before me, I will let you have what you want and that is life without me. And here is what that life looks like. And the walls fell and the temple was raided and the people were carried off to captivity because that's what sin is and sin does. The lie of life apart from God is not freedom but chains. And so the ark of the Old Testament is not a great one. It is a sad one because the people of God missed their mission. You see, the truth is that in the Old Testament, the saved stopped seeking, turned selfish, and they left their mission. In Isaiah 24, 19, God's lamenting this truth that, that God's people won't stay with Him. <laughs> and God's people forget they were ever lost. And, and they forget the joy of living found. And, and, and God's people turn selfish and, and become consumers and become all about themselves and their own religious superiority and about their own welfare, even though they're saved. How crazy is it that we worry about us when Jesus' whole life is to say, I've got you in my hands. You're okay. And being okay, you're free. Free to go. <laughs> and free to love. And free to be on mission. You don't have to worry about yourself. I've got yourself taken care of. Now go. But that's not what we do. We leave our mission. And so God laments in Isaiah 24, 19... Who is blind but my servant? Now, now think about this. This is God the healer who gives sight to the blind saying, who's blind like the one who, who serves me? Who's deaf like the messenger I send? How, how crazy is this that, that God is saying, he, the, the one who is the healer of ears, is saying that the people who claim my name, they don't hear my voice any longer. Who's blind like the one in covenant with me? To be in covenant with God means you made a commitment. It's like marriage. You know, when, when, when people are getting married, here's a, a, a you know, quick pause, dirty little secret. Um, most pastors really aren't thrilled about weddings. Did I say that out loud? I'm so sorry. Here's why. Because most brides are concerned with the perfect day. 
And, and the groom just wants to get through it usually. You know, not always, you know, but usually. And there's all this tension about the perfect day. And here's the reality. It's not about the perfect day. It's about a committed marriage. And while the bride focuses on the day, the pastor's focused on the year after and the five years down the road and the 15-year choice she's going to be living with. That's what matters. And so it's the commitment. One young lady, I told her very specifically, don't you dare come back to me in a year and say, I don't love him any longer. Because what I tell everybody is love is a choice. And, and, and if you show up on that day to be married and you, you choose to love that day, then the next day you can do it. And the next day, and 10 years after that, and 20 years after that, and 30 years after that, even when you don't feel like it, you can choose to do it. And feelings will follow the choice. A year later, she, chose, she showed up. True story. She showed up and said, I, I don't love him anymore. Will you, will you marry me to so-and-so? And I, in my most pastorly way, said, you're crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> when, when we make commitments, we live them. And God's saying that my people have made a commitment to me, but they've forgotten that commitment. And, and they walked away from their first love. And, 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 and the scripture says in verse 20, you've seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not listen. How heartbreaking it is when we make commitments to love and to, to, to live in community with and then we break those commitments. But that's exactly what the pattern of the Old Testament is. This whole first half of the book is the story of a people chosen by God, not for their own glory, but for the glory of God, chosen by God to be sent, to be a light to the Gentiles, a people who, who forgot the the purpose of their choosing and who left their mission and, and in leaving their mission revealed that they'd already left their God. Because the truth is you can't share the heart of God beating inside of you without sharing the heart of God in the world around you. You can't share what God loves without loving what God loves and, and being out in the broken world. And that's what Jesus was doing in Luke 15.1. He's, he's eating dinner with broken people. That's what he was called to do, but that's also what the, the Sadducees and Pharisees who were criticizing were called to do. They were called, the scripture says, to, to go out among the broken and to, to open blind eyes and to, to set the captives free and to go into the dungeons and, and let them out, but they didn't. And here's the cautionary tale for us as we compare the first half of the Bible, the Old Covenant with the New Covenant, because I'm afraid, sadly, that these two parallels are exactly turning out the same. I'm afraid that the pattern is that in, that in the Old Testament, God, God sought and He saved and He sent. And we certainly see that in the New Testament, that God seeks us and He saves us and He sends us. But I'm afraid that we're in danger of repeating the other half of the, the story in the exact same way as the people of Israel, that you and I as the church of the living God are in the place to where we are, are no longer a people who stay close to the heart of God and, and love what God loves, but instead that we're a people who stop seeking Father and, and turn selfish and become consumers and we, we leave behind our mission. Let me ask you, those in the military, what good is, is anybody if they've forgotten their mission? What good is a surgeon if they forgot they're supposed to operate? What good is a paramedic if they forgot they're supposed to, to, to get their hands, uh, you know, bloody with, with wounded people? What, what good 
is a purpose if you won't live it. And so, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells these three God stories um, that are that are in the, you know, the realm of people but are teaching uh, the reality of God and he, and he teaches about the, the, the lost sheep and, and leaving the 99. Um, don't worry about us but to go after the one. And then when you find it, there's nothing that brings the Father's heart more joy than finding the one lost one. Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way in verse 7 of Luke 15, that there will, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Nothing brings God greater joy than when a son or daughter comes home. Guys, come on, if any of you all are parents and you've ever had a child, um, you know, Go. <laughs> Have you ever had a child that was lost and then that child is found again and whole again and alive and healthy again? Come on, how can that not do anything but, but warm your heart? So, God loves lost people and He seeks lost people and He finds lost people and then He celebrates in joy. That's what God does. That's who he is. In, in Luke 15, verse 10, Jesus says it again a second time. And he's just told these, these sad and angry Pharisees who are, who are religiously angry in the dark the same thing. He says, in the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And every way he can, Jesus is looking the people of Israel in the eye and saying, I want you to get it. I want you to understand because you're misinterpreting everything. Today I want to tell you the story uh, we often call the story of the prodigal son. But I really want to tell you it's the story of two lost sons. And to make it more complicated, it's really the story of three sons. And, and although we normally focus on the first son, who's really the second son. Today I want to focus on the second son, who's really the first son. Because the first son we come into the story is the younger, so he's not the first, he is the second. And the second son that we're going to talk about in the story is actually the firstborn, so he's the first son, but he's second in the story. And although we make the prodigal, the point of the story, the point that Jesus was making to his audience in that day was all about the second son, who's the first son. Are we clear? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, Jesus continued, telling them a third story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So, the, so he divided the property between them. Now, that is like your 18-year-old saying, Mom, Dad, I know you're not dead yet, but, uh, but I want you to give me your retirement. And I want it now. So gimme, um, can you all think of a few choice words you would have with your 18-year-old if he were to say these words to you? All right, well, that's the logical flow of the story, but it's the opposite direction where God is taking the story to teach about his heart of, of grace and, and the extent of his love. So he divided his property between them. 
Not long after that, so the younger son gets what he wants and he stays at home for a while and then he looks around and says, you know what, uh, I think there's more life in the leaving than in the staying, so I'm out of here and I think I can find, um, you know, uh, more joy in people I don't know than hanging around with you guys that I do know, so goodbye. And so he set off for a distant country and from there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, there is a side of broken that says, I don't need God, I don't need good, I just need me, and I just need to get what I want. But here's the reality, a little bit of theology, that reality is going to do a tap dance on your head eventually. You know, uh, you're cheating on your husband, you're cheating on your wife, okay for a while, it's not okay, but you know, for a while, it's like lighting the fuse on dynamite. Um, and you know, when you first light it, nothing happens. You're okay. As a kid, I actually um, was with my cousin who wanted to see what would happen if he held a firecracker in his hand. So he lit it, and he was fine for 1,001, 4,002, and then he wasn't. <laughs> Why? Because reality happened. And our God is the God of reality, and so a, a part of the illusion of sin is that we can defy reality and defy God and do what we want to do, and we are free to do that, but understand it's a limited time uh, experience, and, and reality does come in after. And so uh, the, the young man uh, squanders his wealth and while living and spends it all, and after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to, feel, to his fields to feed pigs. Now this is, this is to the Jews that he was talking to, making this, um, this son just completely unclean and defiled, religiously, you know, an outsider, completely broken. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, and that's one of the most profound um, verses, you know, Luke 15, 17, when he came to his senses, when he reinterpreted his life, and that's what some of us need to do. We need to, we need to reinterpret our, our reality, our, our understanding of reality, and rethink it, and reimagine it, and, and, and reconceive it um, as a reality in which there really could be a God and there really could be a, a love that allows us to leave the anger of the dark and live in the joy of the light. And so he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death. <laughs> I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his, his servants, Quick, bring the best robe we've got and, and, and bring a ring and put it on his finger. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and, and let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and so they began to celebrate. God 
loves the lost being found. It is what brings his heart his greatest joy. And if we love the Father and want to please him, this is how. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him, hey, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because uh, he has come back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Man, if there was ever a term of resentment for doing life in the same house. And you never, and I never disobeyed your, your orders. Orders? Wow. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. You haven't been fair to me. You haven't given enough to me. You've not been good to me. You've not been a good father. You have been stingy. You have been, you have been uh, uh, cruel to me. You've been mean to me. You've withheld from me. You've let my life be hard. And I'm mad and I'm angry. And you can just feel the darkness in this, this guy's heart. But when this son of yours, oh, you forget he's your brother? <laughs> Who squandered your property, your property with prostitutes. Yeah, we gotta, gotta paint this in the worst life possible, you know. When he comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. And the implication is, what kind of dad are you? And the implication of the actions of the Jews and us religious church people is, what kind of God are you? What kind? My son, the father said. You are always with me. But, but do you see how that's not enough for the son? Uh, you, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and, he, and he's found. Guys, this story is a story that I want us to rethink today and every part of it is meaningful. All of Scripture is meaningful, full of meaning and you will read it every day and every day God will fill new meaning uh, in, 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 in your life. You'll never come to the end of, of Scripture. But as we remember the audience of the story, I want us to remember that this is the story not of one lost son but of two. One lost in the far country, one lost at home. It's by analogy and by metaphor a, a picture of, of the Gentiles who are lost out in the world doing their own thing, uh, pursuing their own plans to make themselves happy. But it's also by analogy the, the, the story of the religious people who, who are also far from God and lost. You see, we typically, typically focus um, on the prodigal. And, and we focus on the first selfish son, we forget the second son. But we are the second son, or at least many of us are. And here today, in, in a very real sense, um, there are some of us here who are the first son. 
There are some of us here who we just want what we want and we don't want to be bothered by God and we want to go out and, and make plans and do what we want to do and please ourselves and, and we may be at the early stages of that where life is good and, and we're enjoying uh, our life without God. But again, reality always does a tap dance on our heads and, and, and life without God is not sustainable. It, it's no more sustainable than, than a diver under the water is. Yes, you've got a tank of air but it ain't lasting all day. And because you weren't made for that environment, uh, you were made to breathe air. Because you weren't made for that environment, you can't stay there long term. You and I were made by God for God. And we can't endure without Him. We can't sustain life without Him. And, and some of you are here and you're in that place to where you're in the far country, but right now life is good because you're still breathing the air under the water. The tank isn't empty yet. And, and you're thinking you're fine, but I, I'm praying for you that you'll look around and assess your situation and realize, I gotta come up. I can't stay down here because I wasn't made for this. And some of you may be, may be that son and, and, and your air is empty and you're hurting inside and, and you are angry and life is becoming darker and, and, and you're, you're at a more desperate place. Well, I'm praying the same thing for you that you'd realize today. I need to reassess, rethink, reimagine my life. I need to come to my senses. I need to, to really consider the, the claims of Christ and, and, and the revelation of God and, and I need to, to, to realize I can't stay here. Some of the rest of us, we're, we're the, the, the other son, the second son in the story, the first son in birth, son in birth. We're, we're that son. And, and I don't want you to forget that son because that's us. You see, in the, first, in the story, the first angry son who demands what isn't his represents the Gentiles, the non-Jewish world, while the second angry son who resents what isn't, wasn't his represents the Jewish world. And I today want to just absolutely just put a nail in the coffin of the wealth and health gospel that some of us have bought into. Because what we're doing is we're saying, Father, I want my inheritance now. Here on earth, I demand that you give me an easy life. I demand that you give me a life that I will call good. Forget your eternal purposes that I don't understand. I want to understand it all. I want to control it all. I want to I be in charge of spending it all. So God, if you're God, you give me everything now. The scripture says our inheritance is in heaven. And the scripture says that, that it's coming, but this isn't it. We're not there yet. We have no right to demand our inheritance from God until, until we are with him in eternity. And then it's going to come in ways that, that will be infinite and beyond imagining and, and better than anything on this, this, this broken planet. But if you're in a dark, angry place, resenting the hardness of your life, resenting the God who hasn't given more. You are that second son demanding your inheritance. And it's a bad place to be. See, the point of the story is to illustrate the ridiculous generosity of the father towards the lost who come home and the ridiculous resentment of those at home towards the generosity of the father towards the lost. That's the point. 
And, and, and you and I are, are in danger of living out the, the bad half of Israel's story again under God. That the God who seeks and saves and sends has to deal with the people who, who come to him and celebrate his salvation and then slowly but surely turn inward, turn away, forget their mission, and then ultimately re- end up resenting God. Angry. You see, humble found people tend to become proud religious people over time. That's the natural pull of gravity is to begin thinking about me and, and what I want and my story and, and what's easy and best for me and, 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 and you said you were God and you're good so, so make life easy now. It's, you're on mission now. You're on the beach at Normandy on D-Day and you got a purpose but comfort isn't it. You see, this is the story of of two lost sons, both angry and lost in self-seeking. And every one of us here is one of those sons. Either on our own, walking away from God, uh, seeking ourselves, or claiming to be God's, but quietly very angry at God for what He has not given for how hard he's let life be. The first, angry and non-religious. The second, angry and religious. The first son wasted life in dark rebellion. The second son wasted life in the dark of resentment towards God. Because you see, there's not a whole lot between resenting God. You're, You're either enjoying God greatly or resenting Him deeply. There there really isn't anything in between that. And if there isn't an overflowing joy, it's because there's a simmering resentment. The first son came to his senses and found joy and love. The second stayed in resentment and found darkness and anger. But but, but really it gets a little more complicated because this really isn't the story just of two lost sons It's the story of three sons. Which one are you? Angry and lost and starving inside? I mean, seriously, seriously, you're hurting inside and and there is an anger in you. Um, It may be turned out towards other people. It may be turned inwards. But there is an anger in you that that is just a deep sadness and an enveloping darkness that is just overshadowing your life. Can I plead with you and can I beg you to wake up and come home? Your Heavenly Father loves you. He is passionate about you. You have a short time on planet Earth, a limited number of breaths to draw, a limited number of times that your heart will beat, and and, and Father is pleading with you, come home. I love you. And today, if you're that that first son in the story, I'm going to ask you to commit your life to Jesus and come home to be found, to be saved. So you're either the son who's angry and lost and starving inside 
or you're the son who's home and found and stunned by grace. <laughs> and if that's you, I praise God for that. I, I pray that if you're home in the Father's heart and you know you're found and you, you're not living out of insecurity any longer by rank or status or anything else, but you, you know who you are. You're God's daughter. You're his boy. You're his son. And you're found. And there is joy in your life that I want to challenge you. Share the joy. Go out into a broken world and, and since you found the light, be the light. But the third son is the son who's religious and angry and resenting God and keeping their distance. And I think that describes so many of us here is that we are secretly disappointed with God with what he's given us, with what he's allowed, and, and we are quietly resenting him, and, and we are living in a, in a shadow of darkness and a shadow of depression and a shadow of fear and a shadow of anxiety, a shadow of just the feeling that life is not right, is not good, there is no real hope ahead. And we haven't completely walked away, but we're keeping our distance from Father. Guys, I'm telling you, love's given us a choice. And you can stay angry in the dark or live joyful in the light. But here's what I want to say, and I want to say it kind of harshly because I mean it. If you claim to be a follower of Christ and you are abusive at home, if you claim to have the light of Jesus in your life, but you spread darkness to your son and daughter's life, you, you make your, life, your wife's life hell, you make your husband's life uh, dark. If you claim to have Jesus in your heart, but he is not alive in your home, you are lying. And you need to repent. You need to own your anger and you need to take it to Jesus and you need to let him heal your wounds and set you free from the dungeons and the dark and the prisons that you're in because God loves to set his children free. He loves to bring them home. He loves to bring the joy of his healing to life. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. <laughs> and so what I would say to you as, as the people of God is that having light means being light. And that's exactly what Jesus meant in Matthew 5, 14 when he said, you, you're the light of the world. How can that be? Because I'm in you. <laughs> and my Father is in you. And I will come to you and make my home in you. And my house is a, is a great house. My house is a place of joy. My house is a place of peace. My house is a place of abundance and contentment and celebration. Which son will you be? See, Israel missed her mission of loving the lost. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid. I, I, I literally am. In the United States of America, I, I'm so afraid that we're going to follow exactly what, what Europe has done. And, and that, that you and I are going to, 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 to not live up to the story of God. And we're going to make the second half of the, the, New, the New Testament look like the first half. We're going we're gonna to fail just as miserably as Israel did. Inward, angry, religious, separate, 
looking down on, living apart from. God has called us to go and to be light and to find broken and to be love. Because when you're really that, that son who's found his home in the Father's scandalous grace and says, Father, I, I'm no longer worthy. And the Father says, don't worry about being worthy. I, I have given you my worth. And in the scandal of grace, God wraps his arms around us. He throws a party. He doesn't count our sins against us. He nails them to the cross. He says, do not worry about your past. I have taken care of it. He, he says, I, I just want you to, to live my will to live my mission, to be my people on earth, to go and be a light. That's all I've ever wanted. Is I, want my other, I want my other family members to come home. And I want you to give your life away loving broken people. And not everybody's going to come, but they should know they're wanted. Not everybody's going to accept Jesus, but that should be their choice and, and not ours. And everybody who walks away from Jesus should be walking away from love well lived, they should be walking away from beauty. They should be walking away from the truth that we've lived. They should be walking away from grace and compassion and mercy that has been poured out beautifully in our lives. Let them make their own choice. Don't make it for them in your silence and your anger. So guys, we've got a choice to make today. Are we as the church of the living God in the New Testament going to live the heart of the New Testament or are we going to repeat the sin of Israel in worrying about us and turning inward and thinking only about ourselves and our problems and in thinking God hasn't done enough, isn't good enough and, and living quietly resentful of God instead of the joy of His love in His light? If you're here today and, and you're in the far country and today would be your waking up day, I'm going to ask you in the name of Jesus, I'm just going to ask us to go ahead and stand up right now. I'm going to ask there'll be some people here at the front who would be willing to pray with you um, and, and to talk with you and to guide you. And, and I'm going to say to you today, if you're angry in the dark in the far country, today come home and commit your life to Jesus. How you're living isn't sustainable. It's not going to work. Wake up. Come home. Let love win. If you're here today and, and you're not living out of the joy of God, if you're here today and you're mostly concerned with you and you're quietly mad at God and, 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 and you're not living with a broken heart out seeking the lost, I'm going to ask you today to repent. Come to God and, and kneel before Him and rediscover your purpose. Your inheritance is coming, but not now. It's on its way, but not now. Now you have a mission to live. Will you come today and, and repent of your anger and lay it down at the cross and walk away choosing to live joyful in the light and being the light in a lightless world? Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that we would make commitments today that would honor you and please you and God that would, that would stir your heart to joy that you would today be able to celebrate the people who commit their lives to you that you today would be able to celebrate those of us religiously resentful people who've come home, who've returned to joy and are willing to be sent to be love and light in a broken world. Father, may we, may we give you reason today to celebrate in heaven forever and ever. Father, this is our prayer in the name of Jesus.
Man, without hesitation, you come and accept Christ, commit your life to Him. You come and you kneel and pray and surrender. This is our time to leave the dark and to choose the joy of the light. Would you come? If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.